Cameron read for us of Nehemiah chapter 8. If you want to park there, that'd be a good place to, to park. While you're getting there, for us um, uh, civilians who get to preach uh, from time to time, I appreciate the opportunity uh, because it gives me a chance to study about something that, um, that I need help with. And so, um, so here we go. How many sermons like this uh, have you heard in your life, do you think? Um, while you're trying to do math, uh, 2,500 to 2,600 or so is about how many I feel like I've heard since becoming a Christian, uh, give or take. So if you want to figure out from yourself, your age relative to my age, you can kind of figure out about, about maybe how many. Um, if it's in, if it's over, if it's a few thousand uh, range or so, how many do you remember? Um, now, when I ask myself this question, an interesting thing happens uh, in my brain. I don't start to count. Um, I start to think about individual sermons uh, that I still remember. I'll offer you a couple of examples. Um, so, when I was in high school. Um, uh, 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 brother uh, Donnie Rader came and did a did a, a gospel meeting down in Bartlett, and he, he he had a sermon called "Dangers Facing the Lord's Church." And I still remember a lot of his points, um, which was which is was a long time ago. Um, there was also a, an optometrist there, uh, Mr. Stevens. Um, he did a sermon on the physical uh, attributes of Jesus' crucifixion, and it was pretty graphic what he had up on the screen. Very memorable as some of the things he talked about. Uh, still uh, stick to me. Uh, I remember two of David's uh, that I, besides the one this morning, if I didn't remember this morning's, that would be a, that would be a bit of a problem. But uh, there's, there's, there's a couple of things that David has spoken about that really stick to my mind. One, we had been here maybe a year, and he talked about the Ethiopian eunuch, and the, and the point that he was making was why did the eunuch have to go into the water? And the nature and the relationship between baptism and and our salvation, and I never heard it characterized it that way, and it's always stuck with me. And I still remember to this day uh, the uh, what I feel was a, uh, a, a, a an emotional plea to us um, during that gray period of COVID when we were starting to get back together, and the appeal to us to unify amongst one another physically in presence. Um, I'm sure things like that happen to you the same when I ask the question, how many sermons uh, do you remember? I want to talk about a topic that is probably a non-good, non-preacher topic, how to listen uh, to a sermon. Um, there's, there's two kind of main sources of material from where this comes from. Uh, the first and least important is a book by a man named Mortimer, uh, Mortimer Adler, How to Speak, How to Listen. It's one of those timeless books you're encouraging a, a, a high school, college-age kid to read How to Speak, How to Listen. Uh, it's a good book for us as common, as common people, just, learn, just how to be a good human. That's a good book uh, to listen to. And the second and more important section is here in Nehemiah chapter 8. I've got four short and dense points uh, to make about how to listen to a sermon. First, we should come and listen with a prepared mind. If you look at Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 1, and all the people gathered as one man at the square, which was at the front of the water gate, and they asked Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. The book of the law was not you know, widely available, uh, so they had to gather together in, in one place 
uh, to hear the words of God read. What were the people doing prior to this? Uh, well, we know a couple of things that they were doing. Uh, we could scan somewhat quickly. If you look at chapter 6 of the same book, verse 15, talks about sort of the main point uh, of the book of Nehemiah. So when the wall was completed on the 25th month of Elul in 52 days, and when all their enemies heard of it and the nations surrounding us saw it, they lost their confidence. So they were completing the walls of, of the city of Jerusalem, somewhat depressing the adversaries as they heard it. Chapter 7 and verse 1 begins a, a census of those who were coming back uh, from, from exile. Chapter 7, verse 66, at the conclusion of the, of the, of the counting, there's, a, there's also an accounting not only of the people, but of the gifts, of the things that were, they were giving to God at that time. They started, before reading of the law, doing God's will and being, being together. Um, when it comes to listening to a sermon... When does that start? Um, it doesn't start necessarily when Leland or David come up here and say, good morning, uh, or, or, or launch into whatever they're about to say. Oh, then now, now is the time that I need to listen. Listening starts prior to the start of the sermon. It starts with a prepared mind. A couple of quick applications to that. Um, Saturday night, this one is, this is the application that I need to listen to probably the, the most. Saturday night is a school night. Um, most of the time in, in the general population, what are people doing on Sunday morning? They are recovering. We are preparing for the week. And we are gathering together to start a week together. That takes preparation. I would like for you to be prepared to come see me, see my wife, see my kids on Sunday morning. And I, would, I should be prepared to come see you. And that preparation doesn't start at 9, 12 to 9, 16 when I get in the car uh, to come here. Um, this is the beginning of a new week. Uh, let's rest and be fully alert and prepared when we get here. Sometimes we, we pray for the speaker of the hour that he may have a ready re recollection of his thoughts, and that's important, um, partly because we want him to be well-organized so that we, in our minds, can be well-organized. Uh, I'd make an appeal beyond that. Uh, I don't think I, can, I, I would be out of bounds by asking um, that we pray for David and for Leland. Um, outside of this building, uh, often... Um, if you think about the job of getting up and proclaiming God's word, um, it is a task. And it is something that needs to be done with support from us. Not only David and Leland, those that we, that we support as well. Um, there, believe it or not, there are like 13 to 15 preacher kids in this uh, congregation. You're listening to one of them now. As, as one of them, I'd appeal to you. The men who have, and the men who have dedicated their lives and the women who support them in preaching of the gospel, we can prepare for that uh, by praying for them, okay? Second, open your Bible. 
Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 3. And he read it before the square, which is in front of the water gate, from early morning until midday, in the presence of men and women, those who could understand, and all the people were attentive to the book, <clears throat> excuse me, to the book of the law. Open your Bible. Why had they come together? To hear a debate, like on, on social policy, to decide who to vote for, um, to be entertained. They came together, in this case, to read and to hear the Bible read to them, the word of the law read to them. There, there, there are multiple things that are important for a sermon. Um, a sermon needs really three things, okay? It has to be accurate related to the Bible, right? We talked a little bit about that this morning in the Galatians class. We cannot deviate or distort the gospel message. It has to be accurate. It has to be clear. It has to have a vivid clear message. If David or Leland were, were speaking accurately the word of God in Greek, it would not be clear what they were saying or vivid to me to understand. It could be accurate, but it wouldn't be clear. Um, and it has to be applicable. I need to understand the things that are being taught to me, taught to us, how do they apply not only to the Galatians, to the Corinthians, to the Philippians, how do they apply to myself? In order, to, in order to come along with Leland and David or whoever is up here speaking, we need to open our Bible. I can speak for a few of us now. Um, I, I've, I've gone past this part of my life, but it, it is a luxury to be able to hold the scriptures and reference them and not be holding dinosaurs, crayons, or or bags of potatoes known as uh, children, right? It's a, it, is a, it is a blessing to have the ability as we are reading the book of, the, of, of God's word to have it in our hands. Don't lose sight of that blessing um, and take advantage of it, even in these assemblies here. <clears throat> when it comes to the Bible, there's a lot of things I love about it. One of them, the most, is probably that it is not a checklist. I'm, I'm in, a, in an industry that, that lives and dies by checklists, and it can be so boring. Uh, the, the Bible is full of stories, stories and poetry. It's about animals. It's about war and children and fishing and relationships between you and Jesus Christ. And every time we're, we're listening to a sermon, and every time for that matter we're, pre we're preparing to listen to one, the mind should jump to Jesus Christ. Um, and the ability to see it in an opened Bible is important. See Jesus in every piece of it. You're, in the, you're on the hill looking down at the valley of Goliath and David. The conclusion shouldn't be, Go and fight your battles. I'm big. I've got your back. That's not the point of David and Goliath. The point is, there's a huge giant. No one wants to fight. Everyone's afraid of, and we're afraid of. And God sends his son, David, down to fight on our behalf. Not only, I don't have your back. I'm going to fight the battle for you. See these pictures of Jesus Christ in our opened Bible. Third, 
Listen with the mind's ear. The mind's ear or, or active listening is a Mortimer Adler uh, phrase that he uses sometimes uh, in the book. In chapter 8 and verse 6, it says, And then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. And they bowed low and worshiped God, excuse me, they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. We see that they saw what they were doing, listening to the word of God. They saw it as worship, just like singing, just like praying together. What we're doing now was, was worship to them, and it should be worship to us, which sometimes we, we miss or, or, we, or we forget, I think. They bowed down, not worshiping Ezra, not worshiping the scroll that he was reading from, worshiping the Lord with her faces to the ground. That takes actively listening to what is being said, especially when it comes to a sermon. Now, no one in here is, I mean, it, it, it is easy to, to not actively listen. Um, it would be obvious to me if you were, you were uh, trying to avoid listening to me, right? You would have headphones or your ears plugged with your fingers, but I don't, don't see anybody doing that, but you could, but you're not listening at the same time or have the appearance of, of listening, right? Um, Jesus often says in the Gospels and in Revelation chapter 3 and in chapter, chapters 2 and chapter 3, he who has an ear, let him hear. Why does he say that? Because it is possible to have an ear and not uh, hear. Uh, I think one of the illustrations that Mortimer Adler uses in the book, How to Speak, How to Listen, is, is good to use here. There is a, this ancient sport, baseball, you may have heard of it. Um, sorry, slight, slight burn, uh, Harding. So if, if, um, if you've seen baseball from time to time, especially on television, you know, base, there's a big field in baseball, but often, who are you watching? Who's on the TV the most? It's the pitcher and the catcher. Right? That's what we see on average the most of the time. Um, is the catcher actively playing just as much as the pitcher is? Is Mortimer Adler's uh, question for us to consider. It may not appear so because the, because the pitcher is wiping his brow and trying to figure out what he's going to pitch next and winding up and throwing with all his might, and the catcher is basically staying in the same spot. But the catcher is just as active in the play as the pitcher, even though the body language and what their activity is is different. Quote, communication does not occur unless the reader's or the listener's mind reaches out to catch what is in the mind of the writer or the speaker. Makes sense. I would take this further to say worship does not happen unless our minds actively reach out to take in the food that is being presented in the songs that we sing and teach one another and the prayers that we offer to God and in the sermons that we listen to and reap from. Well, what if the preaching is bad? What if the preacher, what if there's wild pitches being thrown everywhere? Um, consider again, the preacher's role is to be accurate, to be clear, to be relevant. Our job is to remember the second point. The reference is the word of God. 
And that's where we should, we should go um, at all times when listening to a sermon. We are listening to the Word of God. Another illustration from, uh, from Mortimer Adler. If, if you were on trial for a crime and your life hung in the balance, okay, you're in a courtroom and you're on trial for something that's going to impact the rest of your life, you are hanging on every word in that courtroom, aren't you? No matter how it is presented, no matter how boring the judge sounds, no matter how monotonous the, the other attorney might be, you're hanging on everything that's said because it's your life that's being said. <clears throat> We've come into God's house to worship him. We're all doing it when we're actively listening. Hang on to every word uh, that's spoken. God has our back, uh, David said this morning. Do, do you recognize what it means to stand in a position where God is, is providing grace uh, to us? Hang on every word of that. There's a few practical applications here, I think. You can take notes in your own way, um, either in your Bible, a piece of paper, something like that. Um, the heart that is set to worship and listen with the mind's ear may meditate on the words of a particular point and get lost in that point. I've found myself doing that before. A preacher may have four points, and I'm stuck on point two, and I don't even know what he said in points uh, three and four. Um, and I've confessed that uh, from time to time to the people who've, who've come up here. If you get to a point that you linger on, linger there. Meditate on that point. Pray about it. When David said this morning that we all mess up, there's a time to stop and say, you're right, God. I do mess up sometimes. Think about those things, either taking notes, lingering on a point that is said, praying in the middle of a sermon about what is being said that it may apply to us or maybe somebody that we, that we might know. I'm kind of overlapping with my last point here, being ready to act, being ready to act. Acts, uh, excuse me, Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 12. All the people went away to eat, to drink, to send portions, and to celebrate a great festival because they understood the words which had been known, made known to them. Then on the second day, the heads of the father's households of all the people, the priests and the Levites, were gathered to Ezra the scribes so that they may gain insight into the words of the law. They found written in the law how the Lord had commanded through Moses that the sons of Israel should live in booths during the feast of the seventh month. So they proclaimed and circulated a proclamation in all the cities and in Jerusalem saying, go out into the hills and bring olive branches and wild olive branches, myrtle branches, palm branches, and branches of other leafy trees to make booths as it is written. <clears throat> Excuse me. Consider their reaction after they've been in the presence of God's message. The remnant is ready to act. And in verse 18, we see them coming back for more. They don't stand in the square and hear for multiple hours the book of the law read and be like, man, that was something. He could read that scroll. Full stop. They leave after listening with the mind's ear and understanding, I have a responsibility here when it comes to a feast and booths 
And I need to go and do something about it, in, in this particular case anyway, gathering branches and other leafy branches to make booths as it is written, uh, verse 15. The remnant was ready to act. <clears throat> when we leave these walls, is the goal to tell the preacher, good, good job, David, um, and that's it? Um, or are we here to evaluate Leland and David? Is that our role? And say nothing else. Listening to a sermon is about what we need to apply from it. And I would encourage us all, as we can, to determine ways we can apply and tell others about it. I know for myself, I'm probably too quiet when it comes to the things that I've I've heard David say or Leland say that I appreciate and not saying it to them or to one of you. Um, we need to do a better job of that, not to be hesitant to the things that speak to us emotionally, spiritually in these walls. Being conscious of the idea that I want to say something to the preacher besides good job will help us as we listen. Because um, we will then find something that I can not only apply because Leland said so or because David said so, because it was biblically accurate and was clear and is applicable to my life. <clears throat> Why is it important to be ready uh, to act? Two, two final reasons and then I will um, I'll be done. The first is to be self-reflective. And in James chapter 1, you don't have to turn here, just listen to this illustration from James chapter 1. Um, I think James does an excellent job of being vivid here. James 1 verse 22 is where I'm reading from. But prove yourselves to be doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at, him, looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed <clears throat> excuse me, in what he does. This illustration is, is great. Who looks in a mirror, sees something that may need to be corrected, you got ketchup on your face, your hair's out of order, you look at it, and it's like, got it, ketchup on my face, and walk away and not do anything. That's silly. It's silly. And that's what James is basically saying. Nobody, nobody does that. You don't look at a mirror and see something and be like, yeah, okay, and then immediately walk away and not recognize yourself or not recognize something that you need to be correcting that you saw in the mirror. We would clean it. We would do something. At this congregation, David and Leland stand before us on a weekly basis. And sometimes we should see them holding a mirror up, saying, brothers and sisters, this is the word of God, and this is your relationship to it. That's their responsibility. And once they leave and that mirror is gone, it is our responsibility to recall the things that we have seen and do something about it. Look at us. Look at how uncomfortable and worrisome and prejudiced and aimless and angry and greedy and selfish and stubborn and sinful and dead we would be without Jesus. Look at it. 
and go do something about it. Secondly, is the illustration that Jesus uses in Matthew chapter 5. Why should we be ready to act? Because we are the light of the world. There is a host of people who see us Monday through Saturday who hear the sermon that we live, and that's it. Um, they may even have a Bible and believe it's important but are not sure what's in it. We are a light to the world. And it's hard to be a light if we don't understand what we're shining for and about. And on a weekly basis, we come together and we can study just a small piece of what our light should be about. Why listen to a sermon intently? So that we may reflect even the smallest message from it in our own lives and onto others who may need it. Be prepared in mind, come with an open Bible, actively listen with the, with the mind's ear, and be ready to act. <clears throat> These are the things that I've prepared um, to talk about, about how to listen to a sermon. And from what I can tell, I appreciate uh, your attention. Let's pray as we uh, conclude. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the opportunity to come together and listen to your word open. Please help us to come every time in preparing our hearts, open to your word, being actively ready to listen and actively ready to act when we leave this place. Dear Father, we're thankful for those who from time to time get up and speak to us. We ask that you bless their efforts, bless their families, help their message to be clear, part of your word and applicable to us so that we may see ourselves in the mirror of your word and reflect in our own lives, what you would have us to be as citizens of your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> For those who, who may need uh, to respond to the invitation of Jesus Christ, we're going to offer an opportunity in just a moment. Michael's going to lead us in a song, and that opportunity is extended. It's extended to me in, in really three, in three forms. First, to those who never have named the name, never confessed publicly the name of Jesus Christ. I would make an appeal to you to do that tonight, to, to respond to, to God's message, God's invitation, um, and, and doing so and, and confessing his sins and being, confessing your sins and being buried in, in the waters of baptism. If you have struggles as a Christian and you need to confess those publicly, well, there's also an opportunity to do that. And there's a third opportunity that I think sometimes uh, may go unnoticed. You may have an appeal to God right where you're standing. Uh, it doesn't have to necessarily be coming forward and publicly. As we sing the words of this song, if you've got an appeal to God, this is a good opportunity to do it because you're in the right mindset of God inviting us to respond to his message. If your invitation is, public, is in, of a public nature and we can help you tonight, we invite your response as we stand and as we sing. <clears throat>